All right, guys, we have a very special announcement. It's official. The Bases Loaded Pod is joining the Roto Baller Radio Podcast Network. A little bit about Roto Baller. Since 2013, Roto Baller has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy addicts their fix with player news and cutting edge fantasy analysis. If you didn't know, Roto Baller's 2020 MLB draft kit is already live. Roto Baller's premium draft kit includes exclusive access to 15 draft tools, including printable cheat sheets for every single possible league type. I'm talking mixed leagues, points, head-to-head, dynasty, roto, AL only, NL only, you name it, they've got it. Roto Baller's premium draft kit includes exclusive access to 15 draft tools. These draft tools include printable cheat sheets for every single possible league type. I'm talking mixed leagues, points leagues, head-to-head, roto, dynasty, AL or NL only, you name it, they've got it. They also offer rankings and projections from the number one most accurate industry expert, Nick Mariano. Not to mention access to their exclusive rankings wizard. Like I said, there's 15. Those are just three. So there's so much more to check out. For a limited time, get your MLB premium pass for 50% off. But wait, it does actually get better. Right now, you can get an additional 10% off if you use promo code BASESLOADED. Just visit rotoballer.com slash BASESLOADED to sign up for your premium pass today so you can dominate your leagues tomorrow. Bases loaded and one out. Oh my God! Deep to right field, way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Hello and welcome in everybody to episode 105 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And a little late. But we're going to be doing a little bit of draft recap. And, of course, me not being the prospect guy a lot of people I know are, I made sure I went out, I went out and reached out, got the man, the myth, the legend, a.k.a. the Welsh. You can follow him on Twitter at is it the Welsh? You might know him from his various, you know, podcasts, Prospect One, In This League. I know you're part of the Fancy Black Book. You can introduce yourself as well. Chris Welsh, everybody. Welcome to the show, man. What's up, Curlin? What's up, man? You can find me on Twitter at is the Welsh. Uh, yeah, Prospect One is a podcast, probably relative to like this episode that people will care about. Uh, all prospects from a fantasy perspective uh, in this league, the In This League Fantasy Baseball podcast, where Bogman and I have just Pollyanna-ly been talking about baseball and being like, yeah, it's going to come back. It'll be cool. Sure, don't worry about it. I'll be pessimistic about it. Uh, and we have just nonstop even been talking about how to play our last two episodes have been how to play a 50 game season with lots of suggestions, but uh, check it out in this league uh, in this league.com goes to our Patreon as well, where we have a ton and ton of cool stuff that people can uh, join in with us if they like our brand. But I do want to tell you like the way you opened up this episode, the defeated sound that you had, <laughs> I feel, I totally understand. I feel the same way. We have spent so much time, you know, trying to talk about all of this stuff and hoping baseball was going to be good. We literally recorded an episode on Monday of the baseball podcast where we're like, Hey, you know, this is how we got listener questions. This is how you can play a 50 game season. Don't, don't worry. Stupid Manford is going to come out. He's going to say the thing. We'll be good. And then it just got worse and it got worse and we've gotten defeated. Um, so we got to work hard to try not to get defeated. But this is like yeah. this is the bottom of the bottom right now. I feel you. I have been, you know, even seeing tweets, players coming out. And obviously a lot of this is just people just think Manfred is posturing so they can buy time so he can implement the 50 game season. Because if he was to come out and put, put a season out now, it would be hard for them 
to avoid arbitration and all that because they have enough time for 70, 72 games or something like that, 60 to 60 plus games. So that's, that's what I'm seeing on Twitter. A lot of, I mean, it's, it's like, I'm guessing they might know better than I would. I don't know if you've read anything about that or know much about that. Well, it's garbage. I mean, it does. It's, it's all, uh, it's all posturing for money. Um, what's, yeah, I mean, arbitration could definitely play a role in this, but I think the most disheartening thing was, I said this like, like a week and a half ago or so that, you know, we need to be resigned before the whole like, you know, MLB, um, you know, was, was it the PA had an offer and the MLB rejected it and they came back with their other offer. Even before that happened, I was like, we're done. Like we're going to 50 games. They are all they're doing is they're running down the clock. If you want a football reference here, that's all that MLB was doing was running down to get this 48 to 50 game season because they can mandate it. And that's what they're doing. So we moved towards that. And I think they wanted to have some type of a signed deal, just, you know, players and uh, essentially so players and owners were in it together. I think that was something that they were looking for, but they never, obviously, as everyone knows, they never changed the deal. The most disheartening thing was this last tactic where, you know, Manfred had said like, there'll be a season. They're obviously running down the clock. And then when the players decided like, we're done, you know, like we've all been there in like fantasy where someone sends you off and you're just like, I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. You go ahead. I'm going to just reject everything. Don't talk to me. And then even though this was the card that the owners were playing the whole time, then when it happened and it got thrown back in their face, they just, they, they pulled like a, well, I'm going to quit the league type of thing. Like that was like essentially what they pulled. And it was like, what are you talking about? You said this was going to, it's absurd where we're at right now. And then, and for them to hold the season over us after they said they wouldn't, I heard eight owners uh, want the season to be ended. And the latest thing I heard was, you know, they're talking about they want a waiver. You know, they want the players to sign a waiver if this is going to happen because the players are running this big Twitter campaign of when and where. And um, they're not going to let baseball happen. The owners aren't unless the players sign a waiver where they're just not liable to any issues that happen. So it's a dirty mess. Baseball is it's uh, I mean, I don't know, dude, if you were around for the steroid era, but this feels like an all time low. This is worse than the game being cheated. This is worse than the steroid, whether it's, you know, the Astros or the steroid stuff. This feels worse than ever because the entire game feels like it's falling under itself. It truly does. And it's it's disheartening because, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I hate to just focus on myself, but like I just got into all this. I love the sport. I was like, you know what? I'm going to dive into fantasy this year. And it's been a nonstop grind since last year, since last season. And I started in October and it's been prep, 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 go, go, go. And obviously we're a small speck on the bigger problem, but it's like all this and it feels like, the game that we love so much, the game that we're putting all this effort into just, you know, go a little bit above beyond just letting us down and the players are being affected. And honestly, I think with the waiver, what we might see is a lot of like the guys that have money say, no, I'm going to stay home. Like Mike Trout has a kid on the way. There's no, yeah. and he goes and he goes and he goes and be, uh, goes, I can't even speak, goes, goes to be there for his kid's birth. Now what does he has to go? He has to go through a 14 day quarantine. He's already missing a third of the season. So guys like him might not sign the waiver to say, screw it, I'm staying home. You have the young guys who need the money. that will be like, yeah, I'll be there. And then it'll be it's gonna be a wacky season. They, and then... they might. What I what I think is how I was just talking about this with a couple different people and someone from Baseball America. What I think we might be lining up for, and this I've been teasing this a lot, is I think we're lining up for like we think this is bad. Just wait till the CBA goes down mm -hmm. because uh, I think we could lose the season, and I think that's what we're in line for. I, I think there could be talk. I mean, I this if I thought of this, I don't think agents would not think of this, but. I think the players are like, you know what? Let's get this season going. They've got people on their side. And I think if I were an agent, I would probably talk to my clients and say, save up some money. 
let's save up some money because I think we're going to lose a season here soon. So play this year, get that money. Maybe next year they're going to play through because the CBA expires after 2021. Collect that money. Agents will probably do something along of waiving fees for, uh, you know, future earnings and stuff like that. And buckle down. This is the time to prep. You know, if you like the coronavirus, if you knew stuff was coming out, you'd probably start getting your hand sanitizer, you know, get what you need to get so you can not go out. This is that version for baseball where I, I think these dudes are going to start prepping for this long haul play like the because the owners are playing the long haul play right now. They're not even yes. thinking about today in baseball they're thinking about all their future earnings and they're putting that into right now where the players are like all right you want to play that game we'll think about right now but buckle in for a year and a half from now i think baseball is going to get nasty on the cba and i would not be surprised if we lose the 2022 season i'm 100 with you and that kind of plays right in the hands of like what we're speaking about today because we're gonna talk about the draft but before we get into it just minor league development this is tremendously detrimental to a lot of these guys especially the younger guys there's guys that are on the fringe that were like kind of already there that like you know the Mackenzie Gore types the Forrest Whitley's guys that I feel like they kind of are just polishing them getting polished up ready for the pros those guys might not need as much work but we're talking about guys at the very bottom you know the, the higher end guys towards the bottom of the minors that this is gonna kill some of their hopes and dreams and not just them but a lot of guys I mean we're talking about five round draft what is your thought on the how it's gonna affect minor leaguers as a whole you know, I, I've gone back and forth about it. I, I haven't fully decided, uh, to be honest with you, because there's a multitude of things. I, I think there could have been some positives that could have been taken out of this entire situation because, you know, the minor leaguers, uh, whether it's uh, international players or high school players or whatever it is, they're being trained at a level like never before. I mean, they're probably getting training that, you know, AAA guys were getting three years ago. So they're already coming in with such a huge step ahead and the process, you know, I'm out here in Arizona and I'm at the rookie level all the time. I'm at all the complexes and something you see a lot of it at the complex level is a lot of the coaches and stuff, just letting guys be guys, just go and do your thing. Just, you know, the guy comes in, gets drafted. They're not trying to change anything. They're not coaching them up. They're just get out there and let's see what you got and go. And what I'm getting at is that could be a part of the problem of why the developmental process takes so long. I think baseball does a horrific job about promoting their young players, but they also have a system that holds their young players down, which that is the future to get people excited. You know, Wander Franco, you know, probably 80% of the common baseball audience just doesn't even know about. And this is a guy that could be the face of the league. So what I'm getting at is like, you know, if baseball could figure a way out to streamline the system, so guys come in, maybe they don't just sit for a year and just hang out. Then they do this one little tweak and then the tweaks really happen at double A. If they could move the process through, then we could streamline this and we can get the stars up there sooner. So coming back to like, how does the scouting process really work and who's losing time? Well, the guys that I think could be the most susceptible at this point, I feel like are the low A to high A guys, because the guys at the rookie level, there really hasn't been anything instilled in them. Guys like Robert Poisson, uh, Maximo Acosta, Eric Pena. There's just really nothing there. They, they just came. They've kind of hit around. Uh, Eric Pena was out here, as was Poisson out here in, in uh, Phoenix for uh, instructs. But there's there's nothing that development has been taken away. So you take some time off. You work out. You work out with individual coaches. Okay. The AAA guys, they've already kind of gone through a lot of the motions, double uh, A, triple A. They've gone through a lot of the big changes to uh, higher end pitching, more major league type of pitching. There's this transition between low A and, and high A, which is a really difficult time. And I'll give you the person specifically is a guy like Christian Robinson with Arizona Diamondbacks. Christian 
I spoke, to, and I'm sorry, I'm talking so long here. Uh, Christian no, Robinson, okay. <laughs> I talked with a couple years ago on my Prospect One podcast, and this was after his rookie development league. And uh, it was very raw. And he came on, and people can go back and listen to it. And he was just like, he's very motivated, really cool guy. And he was just like, listen, everybody thinks I'm kind of big. And I hit a lot, I hit some homers and I hit the ball hard in AZL, but people don't think I could run. And people think I'm going to be at first base and I want to prove them wrong. And he was just really kind of working off that. So he plays his season. The next season, which is coming into this year, the dude lost tons of weight. I went out to Diamondbacks camp around February and March, and he looked like 20 pounds lighter. And I talked with Eric Longenhagen about this. He had redeveloped his body, and this is coming off of a successful season where he's now transformed his body. So think about the process of one full year, this kid who has had some success. Now he has transformed his body. He's transformed his swing a little bit and is ready to kind of maybe even move more to the middle uh, outfield spot. And he hasn't got a chance to redevelop what this new body looks like, you know, work on the swing, work on contact and not power. So that's like the, if I I don't even know how to pinpoint this at the end of the day, but that's the one that low a to high a range, which I think is such a critical developmental time. Those guys have me a little bit concerned more than I would be concerned about Poisson or Abrams. Those guys right there, they're just in that sweet spot of like, boy, that is a really, really difficult time to make the transition. And I just don't know what it's going to mean long term yet. That's very interesting. And obviously, putting the fantasy spin on it, you can't like, how do you adapt your rankings to that? Do you just kind of leave them as is? Do you move them down a little bit? Do you like, because you're only, you can almost get in your own head because this is all just stuff that like, obviously you have experience, but these are all things that you're almost like trying to forecast without having any real seen this like there's this never this is unprecedented you've never seen no. this before so yeah well i don't remember i mean when's the last time you know these guys just lost all their development i mean yeah, the entire minor league season was scrapped yeah it, it's a paralysis by uh, analysis by paralysis type of thing that happens um or the inverse of however you say that because like i, I look at my list and what's the justification to like move stuff around well one of the things i did in this time off was i went back and just watched a lot of video my own personal video re-watching you know just things i knew about the guys just trying to do deep dives writing up more profiles and stuff like that and so y- you might like like i would fa- i fell in love with like lou and diaz that was a guy that i hadn't really gone back on because so, so, again you're a marlin you like your marlins guys so you gotta smi- like this one. yeah smiling. yeah i saw you smiling you gotta <laughs> like that one over here. but like so something that happens with me with my ranks is i'll i'll go through the process i'll move all the guys and then sometimes and i talk about this all the time because there's no process that's 100 correct with this um but sometimes you get locked into an early evaluation so like someone will ask me about a guy and i'll just be like this was my first evaluation and i kind of stick to that so that's where I was with Lewin Diaz. Well, Lewin Diaz completely, again, transformed his body, lost a ton of weight. The twins asked him to lose weight. He started hitting more. Uh, he lost power, but he added contact, retransformed his body. Then he got traded and he went to the Marlins. And I, I was watching Winter League from last year. The guy looked like uh, Jordan Alvarez to me. When, uh, in some of the swing, his body added muscle. So I went back and I fell in love with this guy. And there's another one of those. He retransformed. I got to be worried about coming back in. So that was a justification that I really moved him up my ranks. Otherwise, you're just going through tweaks. And, and you know, when you're doing fantasy prospect ranks, like I'm not I'm not long and Hagen. I'm not pipeline. You know, I'm not looking and, you know, like you could see a guy who has all the potential in the world. Take Jason Dominguez. 
but you're not going to move into the top 10 because it's like, well, they need to check a couple boxes. Fantasy is not like that. Fantasy is like a stock type of thing. So there also is a realization where take Christian Robinson. I've moved him down a few spots based on uh, players that I think are in the general area that I really like and players that I think are maybe better suited in their maturation. But if I move off of him five spots, it's not like I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm off of him or anything like that. I've just hedged my bet a little bit and I moved him down based on a value piece. You know, I think Christian Robinson, I have him as a top 20 prospect probably doesn't justify that in a lot of realms. And he's, you're not, he's not going to cost that at this point. CJ Abrams would cost probably double what Christian Robinson would in fantasy. So I try to be relative to that entire process, but it's why it's whacked out and it's just unprecedented across the board. How did you even get into prospecting the way you have? I mean, I understand that obviously you're very into it. I don't know exactly if, that, if it was fantasy that got you into it or this that got you into it for a fantasy process. But fantasy, you know, I can't even say, again, I can't speak today. My head is everywhere. <laughs> I apologize, but you know what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, I know what how you're saying. You get it? How did you get into all that, man? Um, I mean, I just I just threw myself into it. Like, I always, I always liked prospects. Um, I mean, this is like the dumbed down stuff of like, you know, Bogman and I, you know, in this league, we would, when we, we've been best friends since high school, we'd play like MLB the show and we would create all the minor leagues and I'd get obsessive mm-hmm. about that. And I would get really obsessive in fantasy, you know, 10, 12 years ago into the prospects coming up. You know, I remember Diamondbacks when there was the baby backs and Connor Jackson was coming up and all that excitement. So then, you know, like five or six years ago, well, actually six years ago now in 2014, when Bogman and I fully went into, doing in this league and kind of creating it, you know, we're doing fantasy baseball and I had a touch of and thought process of prospects, but I didn't dive into it. And it was about three, three and a half years ago where I had kept like, you know, dabbling in, you know, "Ah, I want to do more prospects. I want to do more prospects. And the realization is I'm out here in Phoenix. I'm out here in Arizona. There's 14 ball club. There's 14 parks that are out here. Multiple parks hold multiple teams. The access is super easy to go out and I had a decent knowledge of prospects, you know, and I, I remember like touting Rafael Devers to a lot of people after his bad year and, you know, people didn't want to hear it. And I, I stuck to it and I stuck to it and I stuck to it. And it was one of those valid. He was actually a validation point for me where it was like, this is the guy that I really liked. And it held true. Javier Baez was the same thing too. a lot of people as a minor leaguer, people remember you. It was difficult to convince people on Javier Baez. I stuck to Devers and Baez, and that gave me validation to like, all right, well, I think my process works decently. So then I just did it myself. I just went out there. I just I literally just I'd walk onto the Padres facility, just walk during AZL. They're open, but you got to walk through the parking lot. It's kind of scary if you've never done that. You're you're literally on the Padres facility, walking through their parking lot, walking next to their doors, personnel are going. You just walk up go to the fence, start watching guys. And I started from there and I just kept going. I went to all the ballparks. I would get around the players, start talking to the players. You start knowing people, start talking to people, go to events. You know, my first interview ever was actually Kumar Rocker, who will be the number one overall pick next year at the Dream Series. And I got that set up and I just threw myself into it. That's the best way to put it. There's nothing magical to it. I just threw myself into it and I stuck to my way to do it and uh, you know found validation in people liking it and it works you know it's not the am i the best yeah. hell no hell no there are super smart people that from a very analytical standpoint but i think i have a good eye and i have a process that i think works and you know enough people dig it so i keep rocking yeah and i mean I, i've honestly enjoyed the prospects one podcast that's why i made sure to shout out that's why i reached out to you i was like i appreciate <laughs> Who knows? well it's, uh, it's my pleasure i mean and it's funny you mentioned Loganhagen because I actually have I, I decided to get his book. I know you can see it; people can't see it, but I'm holding Future Value 
by Logan Halen, Logan Halen and McDaniel. I can't say his name ever. I can't speak. It is what it is. But that it's, it's, it's so far so good. It's very interesting because it breaks it down to even people who have no idea of how the minor league systems even work. It starts with the basics, and then it goes into the prospects and breaking down um, – breaking down the players as a whole and mechanics and all that. And that's a great, I mean, this is a book that came heavily recommended when I tried to dive into like stuff like this. And is there anything you obviously besides watching tape and going to see it for yourself, is there any type of material similar that you might recommend? I, I mean, I, I think everybody's process is different. Like one thing I would recommend to people, and it's not going to be like a piece, it would just be, um, you know, bust, bust your ass with it, you know, because a lot of people will tell you, you can't, or what you're doing doesn't work. Like, my God, the amount of people that like to crap on um, any prospect person that just watches video. You know, th there's this big contingency of people that are like, you can't, if you don't see it in person, you just can't do it. And it's like, well, that's mm -hmm. not true. There are things that you learn and you see and help you harder when you see in person. There's no doubt about that. But so many people will tell you, that there are things that you can't do. And if you just find a process and you work at it and you stick to it, then you're going to rock with it. I've done all of it. I go out to fields. I talk to people. I talk to players. I watch YouTube videos. I'll try to read articles. I just try to add everything into it. And, you know, my process is different because I'm also, I'm not trying to be Eric. I'm not trying to be yeah. callous. I'm not trying to, um, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not trying to get a job with an organization. I'm not yeah. saying I wouldn't if, if, <laughs> you know, it came my way, but I'm not trying to be out there and take a pad and get start times and write every little note. And there's lots of people that have got gigs with it. I'm trying to find the best process of how, uh, how it, I, I'm trying to take theirs and compute it into my brain to be able to properly convey it to the fantasy perspective. And it works in real life stuff. So if reading books and seeing the process of how actual scouts do it, cause I've locked, talked to lots and lots of scouts and that's helped me do that if listening to podcasts or uh watching video or almost like some people with stocks will do like fake um you have like fake accounts where you can buy and sell and you can kind of see how you would do that same same type of process you could do with ranks list don't jump into it blindly but uh find a process work through it try to refine it and it's almost like air checking yourself and, uh, you know, have people check your work, look back on it. That's the best way to move through. So I don't have like one piece, but, you know, Kylie and uh, and Eric's book is, you know, probably a mainstay for a lot of people. That's a good place to start. That's exactly what I was looking to do. I'm obviously just like anything else with fantasy. I'm the same way. I threw my I throw myself out there trying to get pick brains of people. That I've been doing this for a while, get people like you on the show and. There's no, there's no other way of doing doing it besides just doing it. But in order, this is a whole different thing. Like prospecting isn't something I'm like, familiar with. So this has been very helpful as far as just knowing where to start, what to look for, and then from there, kind of like you said, it's a trial and error. So I can respect what you're doing. But with that said, the draft was obviously five rounds and limited, just everything. Everything was shut down with COVID. Yeah. Play players playing, all that stuff. Was did you heavily rely on video and reports and other stuff you might have seen and read to kind of give your thoughts on this draft and get ready for yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, not that I ever get to like crazy go out and catch the college and high school guys um, to a really hard degree. You know, I mean, there are people like the guys at Prospects Live. There's a whole crew. They get to do a lot of that. I mean, I have access. Um, 
so I, I never get to go see a ton. I think it was like two years ago. I did catch a perfect game tournament to catch Bobby Witt. And if there's a few other guys that I'm completely drawing a blank on this past year, I went out to see uh, Nick Gonzalez from New Mexico state come here to ASU. To, so I got to see Torkelson, Gage Workman, Nick Gonzalez, Akila Williams, all those guys. So my process is usually see as many guys as I possibly can, whether there's a tournament here, uh, high school or college and go through that. And then I will pile on video. I will pile on video. I compare against, I find as much as I possibly can pick out the things. And I find my version of science in building a pre-college list, but here's the deal. I'm also not a big, like, okay. So take during the draft prospects live, they did, they did this really cool setup where mm -hmm. they got on StreamYard and they essentially did an alternative version of a broadcast uh, to yeah. pipeline. They got all their guys on, they broke down the prospects. That's fun and stuff. That's not what I do. That's not what I'm about. I, I'm a, a, it's a fantasy prospect, you know, talking about the movement of the prospects and stuff like that. I like to speculate and I like to build my pre-list but we're not drafting the guys immediately after. So that's not my wheelhouse. So I will do as much as I pop. And you'll even see like uh, my buddy, James Anderson from Rotowire. James even said this year, this is the most he ever got to do because usually his process would be like three weeks before the draft, pile on the work, come up with a pre-list. And that pre-list helps us focus for the final two or three months of the regular season so we can know who to watch for and we can move up and down. And then the next coming into the next year for first year player drafts, we're really locked in because we know who to focus on this year. It was different, you know, because we don't have any of that. So, you know, the guys that had done all the work prior have a little bit of an advantage, but you know, James and I, we're not people that are out there attempting to uh, even build an alternative kind of platform to talk to you about the prospects as they're being drafted. We're going to hone in say, this is what the value looks like as the draft happen. And here's who to watch for in this minor league season. So that's why I would go out last year. I'm out at CJ Abrams pro debut. It's 108 degrees here in Arizona. I'm sitting nobody in the stands, not a single person in the stands, not a fan. I didn't even see a scout by the way, which was wacko. And I am front row with my camera and I'm there to see CJ Abrams and he hits a homer and I get to share that. And then I go through the process of seeing these guys, Marco Luciano, Bobby Witt, CJ Abrams, and I build it for the next year when it actually counts for fantasy people. And I can go through my process a little bit more. So that kind of, that was a long winded way to answer your question that I'll do a lot of video stuff pre-draft. I see as many guys as I can prior, but I'm also focusing on the actual minor leaguers uh, when those tournaments are going on as well. So it, it's crazy. Prospect stuff is crazy. Exactly. And that's why it's like I'm more and more intrigued as I feel I get a better grasp on, you know, with the uh, pro level stuff, because all the information is at our fingertips, savant, fan graphs, et cetera, et cetera. Prospects are very much different. I mean, you still have, you have basic stats, but there's a lot more to them. And there's a lot like you mentioned, some of the stuff is you can't measure that on with stats. You kind of have to look for it and watch the performance. I'm talking with, and, and, I mean, not everybody gets to do it, of course, but mm -hmm. you know, you get to see the guys kind of move up and down. You get to see them try new things. You know, when I get to be around the guys, mm -hmm. it's really interesting seeing them develop over time or getting their process. Or, you know, I did this big thing like two years ago in the Arizona fall league, where I was just asking all of anybody I could to talk to me about hitting. You know, what do they care about analytics? What did, what was the most important form of hitting? And everybody had a different answer. You know, I talked to Taylor Trammell and Taylor Trammell was like, I was asking about analytics and he was just like, 
And he's like, that's not my thing, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. And that made people feel weird about it. But then he was really detailed on what type of hitter he was. And then inverse this year, I kind of asked Joe Adele about the same thing. And Joe was like so detailed and like not even giving me like, um, you know, cookie cutter answers about, you know, oh, I just want to hit it to the gap and I'm not trying to hit for power. He was just like, no, nah, I know what I'm going to do. I know how I'm going to pull into it. He's talking about all of that. Wasn't afraid to tell me he didn't run. So there are things the developmental process in prospects is actually really fun if you like to speculate more. And it's uh, it's gratifying when you can hit on these players, especially when people you know aren't into them. And it's also depressing when you're someone like me who love Nick Prado and Nick Prado continues to, you know, be Nick Prado. Or Victor, yeah. Victor Mesa. <laughs> you if sold you me on him, him, actually. Yeah, you well, sold I'm sorry. Me on Victor, Victor Mesa. Yeah, yeah I'm first... sorry. <laughs> yeah. But as a Marlins fan, it didn't, it didn't take a lot to sell me on Victor, Victor Mesa. So that's only partially your fault. Well, I think <laughs> I helped sell Gerard Encarnacion to a lot of people because in the uh, the Fall Star Championship game, he had a grand slam, and Dude. I shared that video. And it was a, yeah. he, had, he had the most beautiful bat flip you've ever seen. I would uh, encourage you. Look for the video or type in hashtag prospect one and scroll down a little bit. You will find the most beautiful shot I got of Gerard Encarnacion hitting a grand slam. And it is the most gorgeous bat flip. And I talked to him after I was actually with his family and I, uh, I, I uh, shared the video. I, I emailed it to them and I watched the video with uh, Gerard and we were laughing. We were laughing at the video. It was actually a really cool moment because I think he got the MVP of that game. Uh, he's, he's pretty fun. So that's my little, uh retribution to victor victor mesa although victor victor mesa if you look at some before and afters since he's been signed he's put on a lot of muscle i yeah. think there's still something there man it's just maybe need a little more time than your average what was he like i remember was he like 20 when he came over 2021 20, uh, he's like 21 he was, yeah he just hits a ball on the ground that's his problem like he, he he's very flashy uh, i got a lot of jokes me and james joke about him like he he wears all these like silver like shin guard and arm guard and he's got the glasses he's very image based and stuff like that and he looks like this would be like a legit, like, holy crap, you know, this could be like you know, Victor Robles type of guy, but um, he just, he hits the ball into the ground every time. He just never lifts the ball. So I, I think he's a player, if there was a right batting coach that could take control of him and could really make some adjustments and he's willing to make adjustments, he could be a fantasy option, but yeah, you know, he's older and I don't know if it's there. So I'm not, uh, I, I don't have a lot of encouragement for you on him. Gotcha. No, I, I, I was trying to pull some out, but I figured I, right. I hear it. <laughs> I hear it. But you mentioned the part that you mentioned that a lot of people don't understand is the willingness. A lot of players aren't willing to like you think people talk about changing a, a, a batting stance, changing a swing like it's something that's easy. All these players are, have habits. All these players aren't necessarily willing to change their ways. And yeah. that's something, again, that can't be measured. That's why stuff like that is over often overlooked because people are like, well, why doesn't he just do it? It's not as simple. It's pretty crazy with the minor leaguers. Like, um, there's really no middle ground I've noticed. And I, I mean, not that I've talked to a million of them, but. You know, when I talk to dudes and I bring up analytics, you kind of get this like, oh, yeah, like in this last fall league, like Trey Harris, Trey Harris was somebody that really with the Atlanta Braves, he really kind of redeveloped himself as a prospect. And he was like really open, like, OK, let's talk about it. And I think, uh, you know, during the Fall Stars game was asking him about it. And then on the inverse, I talked with Alec Baum with the Phillies. Uh, it was really it was one of the weirdest interviews I've ever done. We were like back in the locker room, like outside the door and there's like people around and I'm trying not to be loud and stuff. And it was just a weird interview, but like <laughs> I asked him about analytics and he was just like, no, like I, he was the most dismissive I've ever had of someone. I've been like, like, I'm not into that, but he's also like big limbed, like huge power dude who is coming off of a good year, having a decent AFL. So, you know, for, for him, if it, if it, 
what he's done hasn't been with analytics and it's gotten him where he is and he's having success, you don't really blame it, but it's also an organizational thing of like, how much is an organization pushing a player to change? You know, the Padres will have, and I think have changed Taylor Trammell where, you know, he was dismissive with the Reds as far as like analytics being a part of his game. Well, the Padres as an organization, that is an important thing to them. So you want players that are open to it for sure. You don't want crazy dismissiveness. And, you know, there are personalities. That's a weird thing. A guy can have all the talent in the world, but willingness absolutely plays a role if they're going to be able to tap into it. And sometimes that's an intangible that we just don't, you know, we don't know. Well, obviously we don't have control over, but sometimes we just don't even know. Exactly. And we're again, we're gonna go, we're gonna get to the draft now. And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. But in all seriousness, again, correct me if I'm wrong, you actually went pick by pick and discussed every player for the first round on your podcast, correct? All right, on that note, we're gonna go ahead and take a brief break and we'll be right back with you after a word from our sponsors. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. I'm Prospect Yeah, yeah, I did a couple, well, I did a couple things. I actually live-streamed on our Patreon. That was just like a benefit to our Patreon uh, people. I did like a three hour live stream of each pick. We really, really talked about it on my podcast on prospect one on my draft recap podcast. Yeah. I, I think I relatively went pick by pick and I attempted to kind of throw in a few of the other picks that teams did. Uh, but it was just me, you know, it was just me kind of, uh, off the, off the cuff talking to, you know, ah, this is a weird one. This is a good one. I like this for fantasy. Uh, I might've, I, I kind of skipped through on the back end of the first round, but I did a version of it, but you know, you don't, you don't have to shy away from it. You're going to have some good questions with it, but yeah, I, I did some version of a breakdown. Well, I just, I was just trying to make sure people understand they want, like a true, like we're gonna do more of like a glance over of the first round, yeah. and then yeah, it is more detailed. You're right. Yours is gonna be essentially a, a greater in greater detail. And first round guys are typically the more common ones you see in first year player drafts and other yeah. fantasy circles. So I wanted to make sure they stirred them in the right direction. Check I out Prospects One, and I think it's your most recent episode. I was listening to it the other night while playing the MLB The Show because this is my this hey. is my baseball. This is it. This that is, is baseball. That's it. You know what baseball is in 2020? It's playing MLB The Show and ripping Bowman cards. That's what baseball has been. That's about we it. Talk, we talked for about 20 minutes, feels like. I think uh, yeah. recording. Well, we can talk about that at some point if you want to. But yeah, it's Bowman I, and MLB The Show. That's it. I love me some Bowman. I just sold my first few cards and I'm still, I still collect for myself, but that's a whole nother tangent. And lately it's been what I call tangent time with Mike. It's like a new little thing. <laughs> I've, been, <laughs> I've been starting on the podcast, but it's funny that you mentioned though, because MLB, the show is all we have because uh, my co-host George actually tweeted out. Yeah. He's, he's just going to turn on the game, put his remote down, let a random simulation start and just watch whatever simulation comes on. No the doubt. Uh, dude, and doesn't the player tournament feel like it was seven years ago? Remember when it was like, hey, player tournament, it's going to be great. And Blake, and that seems like it was so far ago. Uh, but the games are awesome now. I saw uh, Barstool put up like uh, uh, the NHL, whatever it was, NHL game. And I was like, holy crap, that looks so real. I would totally sit at this point. I would sit in like on a Twitch channel and I would watch a simulated baseball game for sure. Well, that's, that's the level of where I'm at right now. Well, I, I took it up a notch. I said, let's put money on it. <laughs> ah, I like that. <laughs> and let's just see what happens. And then, of course, someone else chimed in saying they want the home team. I'm like, well, probably going to win in simulation more than more than not. So good call on that. 
But I digress. So we're going to go through the first round, but I just want to kind of highlight. I said five, but we can talk about as many or as few as you'd like. But I figure just the value picks. Everyone knows about Torkelson. Everyone knows about Austin, um, Austin uh, Martin, losing names here, stuff like that. But I just care. I mean, Martin's actually a really good value. People might not realize yeah. he was, he was he, people were talking about him being the first overall pick potentially. Yeah, and well, I, I mean, he's not going to be a value in fantasy, though, regardless of him going five, which is ridiculous to the Blue true. Jays. He's still going to be the number two first year player yeah. guy, like no doubt. Like some people probably take him one because of speed. And there's just some people that don't like first baseman, even though a la Torkelson is a third baseman, which is mm-hmm. even a little bit more value. There's just some people that don't want to make uh, they don't want to make that bet with the uh, non speed guys. That's it's the wrong year to do that. And it's the wrong person to do that. Uh, I love Austin Martin, but it's like tier one is Torkelson tier two is Austin Martin. And then the tiers start to change. So he's not a value, but uh, I mean, I have some guys that if, I guess if you want to consider that, yeah. you know, how they were drafted are probably values and they're probably going to be values five that I picked from the first round. Zach Veen is number one. And I said on prospect one, I mean, I'll say it here again. I'm a little bit torn because like, he went to a magnificent destination in Colorado. Holy crap. This big five tool dude. Uh, people like to compare body wise to like early Cody Bellinger. He's got a beautiful freaking swing. He can loft the ball. He can run the bases. I mean, we're talking like, um, it's like old school, like George Springer, you know, like a 30, 30 potential with high batting average, dude, you get him and you put him in Colorado. Oh, thank you. Except Colorado doesn't seem to develop their prospects that fantastic. They really, and I even speculated that if you were to take Veen, you might want to look at trading him after the first or second year because his value could go through the roof because these guys dominate down in, you know, like uh, uh, Lancaster. If God, if it's even still there now that I'm thinking about the 40 teams, but once these guys get to double A and triple A, they start to, there's a little bit of a developmental curve that happens and they just don't like to bring the guys up. So, uh, regardless of that, though, I'm not moving off of Veen. Veen is like a, a no doubt, you know, I, I thought he really could be the number three or number four overall first year player guy. And I still have him at four. So, you know, value for fantasy. I don't know if he drops. I think he's there. I'll rattle through the rest of these guys and you can tell me any opinions or any questions on him. Uh, Ed Howard is one of my favorites in this entire draft going to the Chicago Cubs. I desperately love this dude. I think he's a stud. He stays at home in Colorado. I said Colorado in Chicago. Um, I think there's five tool there. I think it's more hit and power long term, but you know he could be a 30, 15 type of guy long, long term. Uh, Pete Crow Armstrong at 19 to the Mets. Great, great value. He's a not a master of anything, but he does a lot of good stuff. Garrett Mitchell to the Brewers is a great destination. If the power develops, that is true. Uh, five tool and Jordan Walker uh, who went 21 to the uh, Cardinals massive power six foot five 200 and something pound third baseman he's a big monster dude high school bat and i absolutely love the cardinals taking him so you know where they fall is value i don't know but i think those are great destinations and you know walker's a guy that might not be a first year uh first round first year player guy i would love to take him but veen howard at the top pca uh mitchell and walker Speaking of um, the Cardinals, they have Gorman there. Won't that be an issue? They're kind of, they're both like, I feel like big power guys. That's what came to mind. I was like, well, they have Nolan Gorman. Sure. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think Walker might be a better batting average. He might really might uh, hit the ball a little bit better. Uh, I, I don't think it's an issue. You don't worry about that type of stuff because Gorman can go to first. They might yeah. develop Walker. He's more athletic. He's a big dude, but he's athletic. You could potentially maybe move him to a corner outfield spot. I don't know if they would do that. I mean, a third baseman, 
you know, rightfully so you could imagine you could develop as a right fielder with that type of an arm. So I think it's just about, um, it's just about flexibility. Like I had more of a concern if the diamondbacks were going to go and take Pete Crow Armstrong at 18, which I wish they would have, but <laughs> because they had like Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, Christian Robinson, yeah. all these dudes, when you're talking about, you know, big, powerful corner infielders, eh, I, I, it wouldn't hold me off. It wouldn't hold me off like with what the Giants did when I did not like the Giants took Patrick Bailey at, I think, 13. And he's like a stud, stud defensive catcher. But you had Joey Bart and you invested high in Joey Bart. That one just didn't make sense to me. So the corner infield spot with uh, Walker is not the same situation as like Bailey going to the Giants to me. I, I almost wonder how much these teams like that type of move for the Giants, which you mentioned is one of the, the ones you don't like. If that's just, I mean, as far as fantasy goes, again, being a defensive catcher, he won't really have much value in fantasy anyway, but that might move Bart off catcher, which obviously yeah. hurts his fantasy value. But the DH is also coming to the NL. So some of these teams, like maybe that right there figures that that fixes the Cardinals problem of the future. They have DH now. The no, Giants you're hundred, have DH. you're a hundred percent right. I mean, I, I I've thought a lot of the stuff that could happen if a baseball season actually happened this year could be uh, for future implementation. You know, like baseball could use this year to just be like, hey, we're going to do universal DH now. And teams could be preparing for that. I mean, at the end of the day, from a baseball perspective, you just take the best players. And, yeah. um, you know, I think Bart's fantasy value actually can be better if he's a full-time player not playing 120 games. And if I get him at first for 155, then I'm even more excited about him. The same thing with Adley. Like if Adley Rutschman... Yeah wasn't a catcher i think he'd be a top 10 pick i think he'd be around where i have torkelson just because you would get a full slate of games for him but you don't because he's a catcher so i think the giants were making a play like you know buster posey has been one of those guys that has been a catcher to first bart might be the next play he might be the future first baseman and he gives them flexibility as another catcher and patrick bailey is a he's got big power just the hits not there and he's an amazing defensive catcher so they just you know they they played fine but I just don't love it from that investment perspective. And for fantasy, it's just one of those weird ones that's going to screw people up because people are going to be like, oh, man, look at Patrick Bailey. He was 13 overall. I got to take him in the first round, a first-year player. No, no, you don't. I wouldn't. And Pete Crow Armstrong, you mentioned, first of all, that's like the perfect – the Mets are going to screw it up somehow, but but they, they, that was their need. They needed a glove in the outfield, and the guy just has an all-around game. That when, uh, when when I hear about him, a name like Ben Benintendi comes to mind. Is that – kind of not fair as far as an offensive uh, side of things or yeah i mean uh yeah th that makes a lot of sense i've been attending a little different just because he was like smaller and you know developed into blah 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 but uh no i think like from a tools pers perspective that's kind of similar because Pete Crow armstrong is one of those guys that was so highly touted he kind of tapered down a little bit uh, I think a lot of teams are just not sure if he's going to be just more than average everywhere. Like he'll be fine. Like I think he's a major leaguer. I have no question about it, but teams are like, well, he's a two seventy hitter who hits 15 homers and steals, you know, eight bases and all that. Eh, then he's just kind of an average player, but I don't know. I, I think, I think once he's tested, I think the pedigree is there. He's a high, I think he's a high end offensive bat. And if he develops into the power, Pete Crow could be like a 25-15 guy with much higher batting average, like a really cheap-ass version of what Jared Kellnick would have been with him had they not traded him. But, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, too, but, you know, specifically, the Mets took a guy I loved even more a little bit later, but um, that's in kind of a full-team conversation. I gotcha, I gotcha. We might touch on it here. Let's go over to your... Uh worst or most questionable picks as far as uh, the first round goes and maybe guys that you mentioned a couple that might already be overrated when it comes to first year player drafts so yeah i mean i just didn't like the kerstead 
pick at two. It was shocking to me. And one of my uh, <laughs> I Patreon, saw your face. Yeah, <laughs> Patreon members took a picture of my face. I was like, oh, uh, and it was just it wasn't. I'd heard the rumor that they were going to underslot somebody, but that wasn't the guy. You know, it's a cool place for him to be. I actually think it's a good spot, but I just don't know what it's going to do with first year players for people. Or, you know, if he's going like four or five because of how high he went in the real draft. No, nah, no, thanks. Uh, it is a good landing spot for him. It was just a weird pick for Baltimore. I didn't like Bailey to San Francisco. I didn't like Texas taking Foscu, uh, even though I like him. I just didn't really understand it. Nick York is popular for everyone to not like to Boston. I just wasn't in on him. So I just don't understand it. Like not saying he won't be fine. It just, it was a weird pick. And, you know, I'll pick on my own team. Bryce Jarvis is somebody that pre-draft, if anybody heard any of my podcasts, I talked about a lot because I liked him. This was my guy. Like I got to with James and with Ralph and, and Carlos Colazzo and a few other people I had on, you know, we would talk about players that we liked and Bryce was somebody I kept bringing up that I thought was advanced. It was advanced beyond where he was being given credit to. The problem was I didn't think he was going to go top 20 in the draft. So I like him and I like what the Arizona Diamondbacks could do with him. But, you know, I just am a little pissy about like the questionable nature of, of how safe the Diamondbacks played it. And they took him there where I thought he could have been a compensatory pick and I would have liked for them to reach for an offensive bat. So, you know, he'll still be cheap and he'll still be cheap in first year player, probably a second or third rounder. And I think people should jump on him because he is way better than anybody realizes. And the Diamondbacks are a decent spot, but I just thought it was a questionable pick. So those are probably the first rounders that I would pick on to be like, hmm. I don't really know. I don't know what's going to do their draft value if it's warranted. And they were just a little eye opening to me. Understood. Understood. If you had to say, we'll say one team, if you had to pick one team ahead that just knocked the draft out of the park, which team would you say? Um, well, okay. I'm going to give you two. I'm going to, I'm going to not listen That's to fine. you and I'm going to give you two because the <laughs> easy is the tigers uh, yeah, I, was gonna, yeah i almost excluded them but i was like let me see if that's what he wants to talk about well I'm i just want to mention because you can't deny like yeah. they got torque they got gage workman who is his uh who i got to see a little bit who is his uh battery mate uh third base for arizona state love torque love him in fa- or i love gage and i love him for fantasy too they got daniel cabrera which was a steal uh dingler uh catcher so they just did a, they did a magnificent job but the team i like that I didn't really see. I've seen lots of people share the whole like, hey, there's the top five teams, blah, blah, blah. I absolutely love what the Mets did with their picks. Um, I don't know if they finished off necessarily strong. It doesn't really matter to me. Not that they had that many picks. What the Mets did with their first three picks, I absolutely, I don't know if I loved any first three picks more. Like you could argue Detroit when they got Dingler and then Cabrera. But uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, fantastic pick for them. They got JT again, uh, who is to me was just a steal. It was just a steal for him to fall down. He's had injury issues, but I think he's an absolute bulldog on the mound. And I think he's going to be, he can be a frontline type of guy, though there's injury stuff. And, you know, I guess you could break it apart and be like, oh, Jesus, you're going to put a injury prone pitcher with the Mets. That's not a good combo. Uh, but I love Ginn. And uh, the guy that I almost tweeted about, and then I didn't, and then it happened. And then I had to tweet about me not doing it was I said, if the Mets take Isaiah Green, if they take Isaiah Green, who's this incredibly athletic outfielder, I had super high on my list in fantasy. I think I had him at 19 or 20 as far as this year. If they take Isaiah Green, it's not fair. And they did with the 69th pick in the draft. He is a, uh, I, I've thrown around the the five tool thing a whole lot. And, you know, it's a little 
tropey. I apologize, but it, it, but it's what he is. It's it's the idea that this guy's going to run. He's going to steal bases. He has got legit power potential. I wasn't sure if he was going to sign. To be honest with you, there is a hit tool there. He is the epitome of five tool from a high school um, standpoint, and I think he's more developed than some of the like you know the the raw five tool guys that people go in on. So for the Mets to get those three at the top of their draft, it's just one of my favorite. Uh, and I'm I'm skewing it from like a fantasy perspective too. Definitely. So from like a fantasy perspective, what the Mets did was absolutely phenomenal to me with those three picks. They're all going to be, you know, pretty high first year player picks in my eyes. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. Again, another one of my co-hosts, Zach, he's a big Mets fan and I tend to give him a hard time about it, but he's going to he's going he's well, to listen yeah. to this. Well, yeah, but he's going to listen to this, be very happy, and then I'll, I'll just remind him how they'll trade them for some bag of peanuts later on. Yeah, I mean, I, I made a joke where I was like, I hope they keep these guys. I hope they yeah. can keep all of them. That would be great if they did it. But yeah. I think this was the chance for them to make good, and those were areas they needed. You know, trading away Kelnick was um, it was just stupid. Uh, at the end of the day, it's just it doesn't – it looks horrifically bad. For um, a closer. I mean, I know they got Edwin Diaz and – Diaz is a stud and stuff like that. And I think he's more of a stud than being cre- giving credit for, for what he did last year. So you, you make the move, but I mean, Kellnick's going to be a, he's going to be a star. He's going to be a stud. And Justin Dunn is pretty damn good too. So this was the way for them to recoup. And I think they did a great job Two high, high upside high school outfielders and a college pitcher who I think uh, due to injuries is just not being given the credit. Like I, I legit think again is one of the reasons Gannon and guys like Jarvis, why I'm not super interested in investing crazy high in first year player drafts this year on pitching. You know, like Asa Lacey is awesome. Max Meyer, love. Uh, I still like Emerson Hancock. I am way more prone to just skip those guys, even if they're the best on the board, because of pitching that you can get in the second or third round. And I'm just the type of person that, like, I would be annoyed with myself if I were to take, let's say, um, Mac- Emerson Hancock at like seven. And then I come back and then all the hitters are meh and then the good pitchers there. And then all of a sudden I come back to the third round. I don't want to be that pitching heavy, but there are some stud pitching guys out there. So I'm more prone to wait. And JT again is one of those guys that I will probably target. Well, you kind of skipped ahead to that next question already. So oh, did I? Kind of, well, yeah, it was actually perfect. No, it was, it was perfect. I, I I ruined the transition. I'm good at that. I'm really good. Really good at ruining transition. Well, I got some other guys. Is this the uh, yeah. late rounders? Yeah, that's kind of like well, and what's sad is five round draft. We're call, we're talking about late rounders, but late rounders, anything outside the first round or two, I guess, right? Yeah, I, and there's a, a bunch of decent guys. I actually didn't put uh, Gin on there. I did put Isaiah Green on here. Here's three others, just a quick throw out uh, quickly. Yeah, definitely. Mason Wynn um, is another one of those guys. Uh, the Cardinals. He's a two way player. He was announced as a shortstop, and if he is a shortstop, watch out. I think he could be dynamic as a shortstop. I just don't know if it'll happen. I don't love him as much as a pitcher. Mason Wynn, huge upside. I told you Isaiah Green. Hudson Haskin, who went to uh, Baltimore, who I absolutely love. Great destination for hitting. Love that pick. And then uh, Casey Martin. Casey Martin went super late to the Phillies, and that's a dude who can run. He can uh, hit for power. He's a middle infielder. It's just contact is a question. I don't even know really why he fell, to be honest with you, but he's like an intriguing uh, fantasy option. Those are some later guys that will go much later in first-year player drafts. Oh, that's awesome. Now, you play fantasy, obviously. You're in dynasty leagues. Do you think that we should be having a first-year player draft next year, or should we almost take next year's class and combine it with the following year's class? That's a, you know, that's a great question because I have, I do have a league that I play in. It's actually with, uh, my, uh, cohort Bogman 
which is called the Bogman League, where we don't draft <laughs> the first-year player guys. We don't draft them until mid-season when the draft happens. So we're in a situation now where we would have to draft, if there's a season, we'd have to draft them immediately, or we're facing having them all be together. All of my other dynasties, we've already drafted. We've already taken, you know, um, I play in this three-sport dynasty league, and I play in another one in our ITL. We've already drafted all the players. And uh, the problem with putting them all together is like, take me for, for instance, I last year made a trade to get what's essentially probably going to be one of the top picks, especially if it transfers over for next year's draft to get Spencer Torkelson. Like I made this move in anticipation of trying to get Spencer Torkelson. If you were to add in all the players or I lost a pick or something like that, like I'd be up in arms about that. Like I made this strategic move. So I'm kind of for not doing that, but I know people are going to be facing it. And they moved the J2 class for this year to January 15th. There are some people who have already are already going to have done their drafts for the following year in Dynasty. So you're going to have to, I think you're going to have to make um, concessions for this year, but I'm not super into combining the first year player. I think that's, um, I think that's messy. Like that's, it's almost not fair too to the team that could have had, let's say Andrew Vaughn and then also could have had Torkelson. They're not going to be given that option now. Like having the 12th pick in a first year player draft where it would have been okay. It's a freaking steal if you would have it this year, because you might have an opportunity to get Bobby Witt at 10 or 11. So that's why I think it's not fair because it changes and gives an advantage to the, the better teams who have lower draft slots. That's why I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I like my leagues. We do our first year every year, every December or January, pretty much. We let it go through the season prior to the next season. We kind of take the J2 class that we wait for the Asian imports and all that kind of combine them into. Yeah. That's how we, and that's how we do it every year. And then this year now it's also, it depends on, because we've already drafted, so we only have the draft class now. We, we're waiting for the J2 guys. So for guys, so people that play in leagues like that, where you know you wait and kind of do it right before the start of a new season, you have to hope there's a season. Otherwise, there's no standings. And then you no. are stuck with actually combining them because there's no standings to go off of. And it's not exactly fair to give a bad team who might have had a year for their players to kind of get closer to the big leagues because you don't know how they're going to treat the minors now. So there's a lot that goes into that. Obviously, we have to wait to see if there's a season as a whole. But it became a lot easier to tank, especially if you're in a first year. If you already drafted, say it's your first year of a dynasty league. You already drafted. Yeah. These guys are all new to the player pool. That's a whole nother thing. You have to, you know, it's, it's such a pain in the. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Back to the draft. Players who got snubbed. Any that came to mind right away? Some that might have even been signed already? There's only one, uh, and he didn't get signed. Um, this, in my eyes, Parker Chavers, I was like, you know, this is he was actually one of those guys when I talked about Blake Jarvis. I would uh, also talk or Bruce Jar- or Bryce Jarvis. I keep saying I don't know why I keep messing up his name. Uh, Parker Chavers is one of those guys that I was uh, Coastal Carolina outfielder. He just he almost reminded me of like a Jonathan India in the outfield, which I know for some people could be like, oh, Jonathan India. But like India had just this really explosive attack on the ball, uh, big uppercut swing, almost like violent. That was super exciting. Parker Chavers has that while also being fast. But there was some hit questions and he had some injuries and he didn't get drafted. And he announced he's going back to Coastal Carolina and not even signing. So uh, there's a multitude of high school guys that went or that didn't go that are going back. I mean, Harold Cole, you had Carson Montgomery, uh, Drew Bowser was never going to, he was probably the highest ranked of anybody. Uh, He was just going to go to his college commitment, but there were a ton of high school guys. But if you want to talk about a snub, 
I think Parker Chavers got the big snub and I really liked him and we're just going to have to look at him in next year in drafts. And I, I feel so bad for these kids because there's a lot of kids that are stuck in between a rock and a hard place. The money that MLB is offering for signing to 20 grand is nothing. Yeah. Then you have, but then but going back to school isn't an option because you have high school kids graduating. You have, you know, underclassmen moving up. It's I'm it's they're kind of I mean, stuck. Well, but people are okay. So take Harold Cole. Harold Cole uh, was at a premiere, which is the same place that Daniel Cabrera, uh, Daniel Cabrera, um, the Daniel Espino came from and they do a really good job uh that school is really interesting because they have this like really marketability with social media where they can hype up prospects not that they're not deserved but like you know great job with daniel espino he ended up being a first rounder harold cole was getting the same treatment was kind of an exciting shortstop uh built up his body you know exit velocity really hard like this seemed like a guy that you would take in like the third or fourth round of a first year player if he got a team he didn't get drafted he was a high school guy, and I believe he had a commitment to, I want to say it was Duke, Duke or North Carolina. He announced after the draft, after he didn't get drafted, that he apologized to the university that he is going to take, I want to say it was go the JUCO route, but he is going to sit back. It might even just be training, but he's not going to college. He's not going to sign with an MLE team. He's going to take the time to reestablish his draft value and re-enter next year. So you had college guys, Parker Chavers, Tommy Mace, who are coming back next year. Some high school guys that just said, screw it, I'm going to college. But there are players, if they really, really were screwed out of it, wanted to get the money and wanted an opportunity and weren't going to fall for some ridiculous hype video from a team and sign for 20K, that they still have an option. And that's what Harold Cole did. And Harold Cole is a high schooler that will be in next year's draft because he's going a different route. So they do get stuck, but there are there's ways around all of it. Yeah, you just have to hope that you have a... I'm sure there's obviously things behind the scenes that allow the players to do that because not every player can afford to do something like that either. Yeah. Or That's Juco. Whole- they can go the Juco route. That's what some, or, you know, or some, um, yeah. I just completely forgot his name. Uh, Carter Stewart, <laughs> Carter Stewart, who, you know, just went to Japan and he just said, yeah, you know, there you go. whatever I'm done. I'll sign for, you know, $7 million. I'll go to Japan for five or six years and then I'll come back in the draft because the Braves tried to screw him. That, that works too. Yeah. It's whatever. <laughs> We need to, we need, that's going to cause right there. Like all the issues, that's all CBA stuff. People don't realize all this minor league stuff is going to be a part of it too. People like people think it's only the major leaguers and their money. It's, it's going to be systemic. Gonna be gross, dude. <sighs> I, loved, uh, I was, yeah, I was, you're I was, just so <laughs> defeated. You're so defeated. I was enjoying this. And then it full circle back to me. Like, Oh, okay. We anyway. can talk about my Jason Dominguez card if that'll make you feel no, better. So. That's makes me feel worse. I'm oh, happy, I'm, yeah, yeah, I know that does. Yeah, I'm not one of those that like. Oh, I can't believe he got it. I didn't. I'm more of those like, damn it, I want one. Because I know. I agree. Only because of the fact that I chased as hard as I do, not because like, I, I'm good for you, man. I heard you. I mean, I was listening to your podcast. You sold it. That's awesome. I did. Congratulations, seriously. I know it's an awesome hit, and that's like for some people, that's once in a lifetime. I didn't want so to. I, I I'll tell you, like, um. Because I'm not a big, I'm not a big crazy card guy or anything like that. It was the dumbest hit. It's one of those silly hits because it's out of like a twenty dollar blaster box, and you pull this multi thousand dollar card. There's literally a card you can't pull a better card. You could just pull like one or two notches better color. Um, and I, I'm a, I have an addictive collective personality. I mean, you, you can see people can't like I got like comic book stuff over here behind me, like posters and over to my right, which you can't see is collectors, you know, baseballs. I mean, since this isn't video, I can show you, but you can see I've got like, oh, you know, you go. baseballs and I got, you know, cards that are set up over there and stuff like that. And, you know, I, uh, I have this addictive collect, uh, collecting personality. So I get something like that and I want to, 
I want to keep it. You know, I want to hold on to it because that's fun. And it, I like to see where things go. But I had to I had to sell that one. I had to get rid of that one. Well, because what it does is like if I was if I was to hit one, I, I already know Mia. I would just take that money and reinvest it in something else. I'm actually working on a setup. You can't see it, so I'm going to turn you around now. Okay. Please. I got the dual monitors. All right. That's I got nice. my little desk, and I'm I'm working on. I'm actually building my own PC, and okay. um, I'm gonna. And it's just gonna be like my little corner where I can do all my research and obviously set up my own little thing. So I'm gonna have the video set up differently. So when I do live streams, you can see a nicer thing than my bedroom behind me, and that's kind of like my new little thing. So I would take that money. So like I'm working on my own little thing. Like that's this quarantine. Has really hey. it has cost me more money than I like to admit. <laughs> I, I think it's done for all. I mean, it did every moment of it did until I pulled that green yeah, Jason Dominguez. Every moment had cost me from the haircuts I took and uh you know everything across the board. That was the one positive thing that went through. See, you already feel better. See, you just talk about cards, you're I already did. feeling better. <laughs> I didn't mean I meant to ask you, or I guess Bogman I could have reached out to him, but I'm surprised you guys haven't done any type of Carl's Jr. quarantine challenge or something with him. We've I talked that, well. You know, he actually just told the story the other day because uh, not that it's a controversy, but, you know, we did this fun bit where the Carl's Jr. thing was, you know, Bogman ate Carl's Jr. every loss of the Diamondback season. And we had one for this coming season. But also we did this bit where uh, during I think it was like January or December or something. Anybody that signed up on our Patreon would get an autograph. I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, believe me, but we had people do it an autographed Carl's Jr. bag from Bogman. I know it's not so stupid, but we had like 20 people that did it specifically for that. Bogman sent them out on the day of the lockdown happened in his office. And he told the whole story about how they, you know, he gave it to them. They said they'd take care of it. Then the office locked down and then they're just gone. So he has to go through the entire process of it. So I'm saying all this. He absolutely hates Carl's Jr. from every step of it, from how much he had to eat to doing all. We did an autograph signing video I did at the Diamondback Stadium in my car of him signing the bags to then losing the bags, having to redo it and ship them out. He hates Carl's Jr. from absolutely top to bottom. So I, we're, I mean, we're always trying to do fun, creative ideas and stuff like that. But I can tell you, I think he wants nothing to do with Carl's Jr. ever again. With that said, if he sends me a signed bag big enough for my head, I will wear it during a live stream. Ah, uh, well, I mean, it's Let's gonna it happen. happen. That's gonna happen now. I just have to cut the holes out and, and a mouth hole, but <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. We will make it happen. I will wear it on a live stream. We could do it for your Patreon people. We could do it for wherever. On I Twitter, love. I don't care. We I'm will game. Make it happen I just want you to know that's happening now. So, so we'll, we'll talk about it. Off oh, dude, I'm all about shameless promotion slash yeah. making a fool of myself. I this is fun for me. And for those who are listening, that might think this is just uh, dumb. I'm sorry. This is this is us, us having fun. But if you guys are truly enjoying this and want more of it, this is where I'm shamelessly promoting you guys. The Welsh and Bogman have a Patreon. You can check it out on InThisLeague.com, I believe, is where you can find it. As well, obviously, reach out to them on Twitter and all that. They do stuff like this all the time. They do movie uh, stuff. They do stuff about based on movies and just fun. I I'm not giving it enough credit. I know you can talk about it way better than I can, but you do a lot of fun stuff like this behind the scenes just to help time go by. Just to build, You're building a community. You have your own little ITL army. Yeah, that's so what I mean, it's what I appreciate you doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, most people, anybody that knows me has heard all the bits. They hear it every week on the show. We've got to promote it because it's our life force. But yeah, man, that's what we've done for a long time. Just during the, you know, we've always done, you know, we do these comedy secret shows and we did movie stuff yeah. from time and we've got group me rooms where people can hang out. But when everything went down, 
you know, we were like, obviously we've got to maintain, but we're like, let's do some more stuff. And I'm working from home more. So Bogman does these two streams called social distancing with Bogman. <laughs> I've been doing breaking videos as much as I can. Uh, yeah. We did the Oregon trail videos. Uh, so yeah, we, I mean, we're, we're trying to keep people having fun as much as possible. That's what it is. So much fun uh, is what in this league is about. The Oregon trail stuff. Yeah. Just, just seeing it brought me back to elementary school. It blew my mind. I was having so much fun just looking and just watching you guys on Twitter talking about you, uh, Bubba. (laughs) We had some great moments. The first video was magnificent. It had, you couldn't have asked for a better ending. And we had like, uh, uh, a couple times we would have like industry people on. So our first trail had Bubba and then I think it had Paul Spore and Joe Pizapia oh, and the ending is magnificent. And <laughs> the second one, uh, same thing. And then Bogman got to be the leader of the the final one on the hardest level. And uh, he had a, <laughs> I mean, John, you, you can see all of it. It was, it was fun. We, we try whatever we can because, you know, there's so much to be depressed about right now. We're also, you know, that's the other thing that's made us a little bit different is, we're heavy entertainment people as well. Like I think we know our fantasy, um, but you know, we're not, you know, we're not going to sit and talk about launch angle for 25 minutes and then move on to exit velocity for 25 and then, you know, read a chart and then see a leave. Not saying that that's bad at all, uh, but that's just, we're radio background. We want to make people laugh. We want to entertain. That's a very, very big part of what we do. And people that like that really enjoy us. And there's definitely people that don't, but you know, so much fun, Mike. That's what you got to do. You got to have a little bit of fun with all this stuff. As you, I've re- I've recently just got. I've I've been working so hard trying to build a brand, trying to make a name for myself over the last year, and it took me up until legitimately like two weeks ago, when I was like, you know what, the fun isn't what it used to be. Like, I have to remember to have fun first, yeah. and it's kind of it's been one of those like i'm back to just having fun being myself like don't get me wrong i love doing this i love all the aspects of it the the personalities the information all of it it's just it took me longer than i'd like to admit that i realized like i was going about it in a way that wasn't fun and i just kind of going back to being who i am doing what i'm doing and it takes a long time you know we've had a couple people nicely say this um PitchCon, uh, PitcherList just did the PitchCon. Like, yeah. All right, God, I don't even know how long. Again, time is relative to me at this point. I don't know how long ago it was. And uh, Nick was nice enough early on to ask me to do something. <laughs> but then Nick was, because me and Nick have a really good relationship. When I was doing some stuff over at CBS for a bit, everybody was gone one day and I asked Nick to come ho- co-host with me. And, you know, that's a big podcast and that was a big deal. And, 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 you know, Nick was honored and we've just continued to have this really good relationship. So he early on asked me, but then he gave me too much credit and he gave me a, not a panel. He didn't put me on a panel to talk prospects or anything. He's just like, here's your time slot. Here's a presentation. I was like, well, Nick, <laughs> damn it. All right. So I decided <laughs> to do, um, I had Pizapia join me, Joe Pizapia from the Fantasy Black Book, author of it, to join me on uh, brand building, like how to be an independent brand. And it was okay. I don't I don't think it was my best job ever because we didn't do slideshows and stuff like that. But we let it be an open conversation. And Pizapia and I, I had Nick join as well to talk about branding yourself and finding ways to better as a podcast person, as a personality, things that we do. And we really just talked about the building of an independent brand when there is so much big stuff out there. You know, people think of CBS, they think of ESPN, they think of Yahoo, but you got to realize that, you know, a place like Pitcher List is going to be a mainstay. I told Nick on the, the broadcast in five or 10 years, they're going to be a massive deal. They're going to probably be on the fan graphs oh, realm yeah. of massiveness. And, but 
but you can do it as an author. You know, Joe Pizzapia went up against, you know, Baseball HQ and Baseball America's magazine. He's got a best-selling fantasy option. And, you know, we did it from a podcast perspective. And in this league, we're not. We're not in the realm of popularity as those two are in their fields of uh, publishing and websites. But Bogman and I have created a niche where, for better or for worse, people know who we are and what we're about. And we've created an entertainment and a quality thing where we also can make it sustainable with a Patreon. And, you know, we've done stuff and we've implemented things that other people didn't in fantasy that are now mainstays. You know, when I started in 2014, absolute garbage audio across the board on podcast pissed me off it's one of the biggest reasons i yeah. wanted to do it hated it everybody didn't care about their audio and quality sucked across the board I'm not saying we did anything but we did different and we had good quality and people t- commented about it all the time and guess what you don't hear anymore you don't hear podcasts mm-hmm. that suck ass on their quality anymore because people have found solutions with good microphones or using Streamyard or skype recorders or whatever it is people are doing a better job so you know we help i think i felt like we help push some of the industry that wasn't already doing it. So I'm just coming back to saying, continue doing it because that's something I've been talking about is, you know, brands are important and personalities are important. So people follow you along and, you know, you don't have to get discouraged. You can keep, oh. you can do, anybody can do stuff if you just put the work in, in this. I don't, I don't like the personality. I, I just like the, I just, I, I lack the having fun at times. Cause I just remember I get so caught up in trying to further my like my brand and my outreach i have to remember being myself really is like as corny as it sounds being myself will essentially draw people i mean heck i wouldn't i honestly never thought i'd be sitting here talking to you for the second time on this podcast the first time for those who don't know i was having technical difficulties and this man was actually the man who was uh recording it for me so go figure oh, we do <laughs> I'm, I'm here anytime I'm, I, I love doing this stuff you're doing I, a good job this. dude you're doing good I, I mean as long as you're not falling asleep you're doing a good job Man, I, I purposely get, gave myself this setup so that wouldn't happen again. And it was a, <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. I know, but I've, I've owned it. Sleepy K is, I think it's in my bio somewhere. I think it's good. But see, again, that's the thing. Like, I joke with people all the time. You know, we do these mock drafts on our uh, podcast. And like, you know, we're known because Bogman and I will, <laughs> will curse and we get pissed off. And people, you know, some people think it's a joke because we take it serious. But when we're in it, we take it serious. But what's funny is like someone will do something and we'll get mad at them and we'll say something. And I've had people, uh, even if they like, you know, are late or auto pick or something, and someone will come up and they'll be like, oh, I'm, you know, and I'm sorry I took that pick. I didn't mean to screw up the draft. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, listen, you gave us something to talk about. Like even yeah. the bad stuff, and that's that whole, it's not supposed to be like no publicity, bad publicity thing. But what it is, is, you know, in an entertainment perspective and what people would do in radio is, you know, there's radio fights and stuff like that. Like everything can be entertainment and it can be a conversation and it can be used. So I'm always like, eh, it's all good. You know, it doesn't matter what happens. It's, it, it's fun and it becomes part of the narrative and, you falling asleep on a podcast became part of a narrative, Mike. <laughs> That's it. I, you, you got something to roll with. I legitimately need to reach out to Kenny over there at Rotoware to make me a shirt somehow. He's so creative. Yeah, I would love him. Like I just like a personal one. I don't need. I, I don't need. I mean, if it, if it picked up steam, that'd be fantastic. But he does all these great destination shirts. I need him to make a sleepy K shirt. Which credit Ralph Lipschitz for the nickname. That was all him. It reminded him of a '90s rap uh, rap name or something. He said, which make which makes sense if you know Ralph and. Uh, sure. That's and funny. It's a, yeah, that's funny. All right. Well, anyways, that's that's a good way to wrap up tangent time with Mike. See, I knew we'd get there. And um, before we get out of here, just a quick, maybe a couple names, um, real quick. Best under undrafted free agent, and maybe the best signing as well. Yeah. Um. I mean, 
under under best undrafted right now free agent. I think that's a tough. I think both of these are tough to be honest with you. I know there's a lot of people that'll just mm-hmm. go on tangents about how good this and that guy is. I think um, this is the type of place where we really need to see some of the players to make full judgments. The best gotcha. unsigned, I mean, there's a multitude of them, but they're probably not going to because they're going to either, they've already committed to go back to school. So I would tell you guys like Carson Montgomery and Tommy Mace and uh, Kate Horton and Drew Bowser, you know, there's, there's so many guys that did not get drafted that are technically sitting out there that would be good. There's no chance as far as like, Someone that did sign, uh, I kind of d- dig uh, Matt Mervis, who went to the Cubs, two-way player. He's a big old first baseman, had a good cape. One of these dudes that could really pop off. But, um, you know, I, like I said, I've seen a lot of other people jump into this territory of saying, oh, this guy, that guy, this guy, that guy. I want to wait and see it. I, I don't think it's, I don't even think it's relative to first-year player drafts, to be honest with you right now. Like, I, if unless you go 100, I know there are some people that have, you know, like, 30 team league and we have five rounds. Okay. You know that that's where this starts <laughs> to change. I, I don't think we have enough with us right now to judge if any of the undrafted free agents are even top 75 or top 100 right now. So I think it's a little early on, but Matt Mervis is one of those guys that I'd look out for with the Cubs. Big old, you know, like a big old power first baseman, two way player. If he plays a, you know, an offensive position, that'd be solid. That is awesome. All right. And if you, I remember you mentioned, um, again, it's another plug for the Patreon, but you do a top 500, available to your patreons and or patreon subscribers and you have updated it correct yeah i did it on uh friday actually after the draft so like on the stream i told people where i was putting torkelson and then i lied because i immediately moved him up after (laughs) Uh, but on friday that friday so available right now i do a top 500 uh, list and i've got all these different tabs like by you can look at it by team by position i do some other stuff where i created like a prospect adp um i did a first year player mock that you can look at all the different tabs and then i also have a tab for first year players so what i updated uh, and i've been adding some new stuff too i've got some of my own little ratings and profiles but i added the guys to the top 500 list so you can see where they sit relative to others and then i already started uh updating the tab for how the first year players just rank individually. And another unique thing I do is I actually like to group them in 12s. So what it does is you'll get the rank, like this guy is number 37 overall, but I also show you where he is relative to a round. So you could just easily, I know everyone else could do it, but it's just a visual for me. I can instantly see like, oh, that guy's a second round type of talent because I've literally put him in a mock type of format so you see rounds um but yeah so quick answer is i did all of that and it was a weird process too uh i'll give to everybody spencer spencer torkelson inside the top 10 overall prospects in baseball jeez Uh, you're not you know it's crazy i've heard a couple people say that already and it's it's awesome i love i love the excitement and i've watched some videos of him here and there and just some interviews and the guy just seems poised all around person like seems to be mature as far as like his personality goes and all that it's obviously Sorry, well, I would say he's super. I didn't mean to cut you off. He, he's super mature. I, when I went to that one game at New Mexico State, I talked to him right before the game and I was like, man, I'm like, look at all these. I mean, it was littered with scouts. And I was like, look at all these people here, man. I'm like a lot of people out here scouting you. And he just looked at me and he was like, yeah, it's really cool to see. You know, also, though, <laughs> a lot of dads, a lot of dads out there with kids just watching their kids play. And he just completely turned it on me. And I was like, Jesus, like. You already got the spin down completely, just no focus. And there was actually a rumor too that um, 
he didn't want he wasn't going to talk about the draft like any interviews he was going to do at asu because i was i was actually setting up before everything shut down to try to get some time with him uh but there was this thing going out that he wasn't going to talk about the draft whatsoever so you want to talk about poise he is the epitome of professional and poise and he's also just the most dynamic bat in the draft so that's why it's pretty easy to slot him in as a absolute top 10 uh overall pick comparative to all the prospects and uh obviously the first pick in the first year player in my eyes when was the last time a player was like like this much of a slam dunk top 10 pick coming out of a draft uh like a top 10 top 10 prospect like this like you mentioned he's in your top 10 right overall yeah 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 um i mean i didn't have vaughn i mean vaughn is very safe but i didn't have him in my top 10 coming into this just trying to think um, harper harper strasburg Days? Yeah, I mean, guys like Harper and Strasburg and Bryant, you know, Chris Bryant was really easy to put in there. I mean, there's also, you know, the fails where like Buxton was instantly inside of a top 10, but like Correa might not have been there to immediately start. So, I mean, he, yeah, he's in that like Harper territory for sure. Definitely. I just wanted to get an idea of the last time something like this happened because I feel like and the Harper thing was what already seven eight years ago it feels yeah. like it's been a yeah while. It's been- but also like in fantasy it's not like the guys are that far off you know like yeah, i sure. had vaughn rutchman wit and i want to say abrams this time last year all inside my top 20 like maybe abrams wasn't until i started to get my eyes on him but wit vaughn and rutchman all inside of my top 20 um, and then I think Jason Dominguez, you know, J2 was in there. So it's not like in a fantasy perspective, it's much bigger when a pipeline would move a, a newly drafted player inside their top 10 immediately because they want the boxes to be checked in fantasy. It's uh, it's a, it's obviously a production game, but it's also a value and kind of a movement game. And I had three guys inside the top 20. So I like, so when you asked me that, that's why I was a little bit weird about the question. Cause like, I don't think like, Whoa, top 10 is this big deal because there are plenty of guys every single year that are going to be in the the teens or near the top 10. But to your point, it's probably the highest for you know drafted player that I've put up in, you know, the 4 years that I've been ranking these guys. It's it's interesting. Well, now he's at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> on the on that note, I appreciate you joining me. On your way out, please obviously plug all your work where everybody can find you. Oh man, I mean, we've done plenty of it. Uh, you guys, I just do lots of podcasts. You guys already know about the Patreon. Just follow me on Twitter at Is It The Welsh. You'll see me post about the different podcasts I do. We do other sports. Bogman and I are doing football right now, thank God, uh, and lots of baseball stuff. And it's pretty easy to find the the stuff that I do just on the Twitter. So Is It The Welsh. But I, I appreciate you having me on, man. I, I'm always honored when anybody thinks of me. You know, I, I I have a lot of jokes that I do on the podcast about not being respected, not being in this or that, and it's you know, it's it's part of a bit but i truly do like i always love when anybody thinks of me to come on and you know have some fun and podcast it's what i like to do you know even when i'm i go through like weird emotional you know swings of just being angry and stuff like that but for some reason as soon as i start podcasting it's like uh, it's like what people describe playing poker because i was a poker player for a while uh, or at least i played a lot <laughs> when you're at a poker table you just don't think about anything else. You're just locked into your game and you kind of stop thinking about all the stuff around you. Same thing if you like play baseball, you just stop thinking of it. That's how I am with podcasting. Like I just think about what I'm doing. So it's always like cool when someone thinks about me uh, coming on the podcast and doing stuff. So I enjoyed it, man. I appreciate no, you. And I truly appreciate you taking the time. And honestly, I needed this, I think, as much as anybody because you saw how I started and how I finished. Two different people. I yeah, yeah. Better. You're you're up now. You're up. I, I I like that. I like that we got to get to that place. People, you literally should screenshot the minute you started being like, 
Hey everybody, welcome into the pod. <laughs> you should screenshot your face there and then the smile that you have right now. It'd be it's a great contrast. And what it is, and what it is, is I think it's because obviously it's it's a relatable thing. You understand exactly where I'm at emotionally, mentally, like kind of like thrown off and just like yeah. I want to talk about I want to talk about this stuff, but getting started, just like working out, getting started is the toughest part. But when you actually start working out, you feel great. Same idea with podcasting sometimes, especially as a host. I think being an analyst, you can kind of play off the emotion. That's the thing. I could have set the bar, I could have set the tone real low, but you came in strong and you picked up the you picked up everything. So I appreciate, oh, I appreciate that. that. Well, baseball, the only difference with it being like uh working out is it's like getting ramped up and then having the weight fall on your foot and break your foot. That's how baseball <laughs> has been. So I mean I've sounded like a big dummy on my podcast thinking, hey, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. Here's 50 games, and baseball is throwing that back in our face. But yeah, just stay hopeful. Hopefully, over the next couple of days, something turns and we'll have plenty of time to be depressed about baseball, I think, in a year or two. But hopefully we can have something positive here soon. That's what I'm that's what I'm praying for. <laughs> aren't we all yeah on that note on that note though i appreciate you joining me as always again follow him on twitter him as in the welsh at is it the welsh myself at mike underscore curlin base load podcast is at base load pod a five-star ring review is greatly appreciated again we truly appreciate you listening to all this through everything that's going on and of course we will talk to you soon